Father, we tell you this morning that we declare to you that you are great. God, that you are awesome. And Lord, I pray in our hearts, God, even with our posture, Lord, that we would stand in awe of you because you are a great, awesome, and mighty God. And there is no one like you. So Lord Jesus, I pray that we would praise your name because we know that there is no other name under heaven that's been given to men by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, we lift you up, and we know, as your word tells us, that as we lift you up, that you will draw all men into yourself. So I pray, God, as we prepare our hearts this morning for your word, God, that we would receive it, Lord, that we would take it, apply it to our lives, and God, that we would leave here uh, just motivated to live for you, to be bold for you, to share your gospel. God, I pray for these families that are here today, for those that might be watching online, uh, God, again, that you would speak through your word thankful for Pastor Lee and that he's better and that he's here with us today. And we do continue to pray for those who are affected uh, by this, uh, this, uh, this disease, this COVID that's out there right now. And Lord, um, we don't live in a, or we live in a world that's, we're not promised tomorrow. And Lord, that there's things that, yes, are scary and that things that, Lord, that are trying for us. But Lord, we know that you remain the same and that you were always faithful. And Lord, our hope is anchored in that today because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, help us this morning to focus our mind on, on you, our hearts upon you. God, that we are here to declare your glory for this audience of one. Again, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. We praise you. Thank you so much for saving us. Thank you so much, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you that you have risen from the dead, never to die again. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you all so much for praying for us this past couple of weeks. We, uh, we got Susan out of the hospital on Thursday afternoon. She's making progress. Um, and so Amy's doing fine. We just got a ways to go for those two. It looks like I'm a little ahead of them in getting feeling better in the curve and things. So thank you so much for praying for us. Um, so we're reading the, the book of uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm encouraging you to read it every single day. Romans chapter 8 every single day uh back yonder in december sometime i was talking with the lord and asking the uh, something to get everybody going you know spiritually speaking for the new year and uh, based on you know where we are with the covid and based on where we are with the the difficulties in our country with the politics and all that mess i just kept on hearing that that uh, idea of romans chapter 8 everybody needs romans chapter 8 over and over there's so much here, it's concise, it's compacted, you can read it every single day. And, and on each verse, there is a truth, there is a word from the Lord that can really make a difference in our lives if we will apply it, if we'll believe it, trust it, accept it, and live on it. And so uh, Romans chapter 8. So the last uh, uh, time we were together uh, when I was here was Romans chapter 8, verse 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. And, and we're, we're addressing it, or we're coming with this premise, uh, what do we know for sure? And, and it comes from the idea we can, we can spend our time needlessly thinking about what we don't know, what we're unsure of, uh, uh, the questions that might be unanswerable, and how all that works, uh, versus uh, what we know for sure. And just a simple approach to it, and another aspect of that simple approach to it is this. 
that uh, instead of assuming that it's not God saying that to us, assume that it is God saying it to us. Uh, God speaks to us far more than we realize. He speaks to us, first of all, through His Word. And every single page, every verse, this is God's Word to us. And so when people say they have never heard God speak to them, you ask them the question, have you read the Bible? Are you reading the Bible? Have you read John 3.16? Well, sure I have. Then you have literally heard the Lord speaking to you. Well, how can that be? I didn't hear an audible voice. Yes, you did. When you read John 3.16, when you read those words, you heard those words in your head. It may have been your voice. It may have been your awareness, your tone, that kind of thing. But it was God's word to you because the Bible is God's very word to us. And so every time we read scripture, every time we read a verse of scripture, that is God speaking to us. He speaks to us through his spirit. He speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us through the body of Christ. And he speaks to us through what's going on in this world. Now, hearing God speak through circumstances is a lot more difficult than plainly hearing God speak to us through His Word. And so, man, every single day, Romans chapter 8, open the Bible, say, Lord, speak to me today. I understand, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is communicating to me. Every single time that I read your Word, your Spirit is communicating with my Spirit the truth that is here. And, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to mark down. I'm just going to write down. I'm just going to just focus on what I know for sure you're saying to me and start there and begin to live on that truth. And so you would take verse 8 1 and say, There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So what is God's word saying to us? He's saying now, before struggle. That's what Romans 7 is talking about. There is struggle in the Christian life. And so at, while, we were, while we are in struggle, struggle to do the, what God wants, struggle to follow the Spirit, struggle to, to figure things out, struggle to get some things behind us, struggle with old attitudes, struggle with old habits, struggle with old worries, struggle. There's going to be struggle. Paul says, I wake up in the morning and I mean good purposes. I want to do the right thing. I set out to do the right thing. And man, before I realize it, I've done, done what I didn't want to do. I, 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 I didn't want to do that. And that's the struggle. Man, I, I want to live today not being impatient with people. And I went to Walmart. Right? <laughs> You know, today I want to show love to everyone I'm around. And, and I got out there on I-20. And before I knew it, love was difficult to reach down and find because someone swerved over into me or something crazy like that. Right? Aren't we all in that struggle? Aren't we all in a struggle that we have good intentions? We mean well. We're going to do it. By George, we're going to do it. And, and you set out with good intentions, you're motivated, you're inspired, and you do good for a time. And before you know it, that struggle really begins to weigh on you. Guess what? 
in that struggle, the Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. So we can rejoice over that. And so we can be not just absolutely beat down with a struggle, but we can be elevated to look beyond the struggle and go, yes, there is struggle, but I'm not condemned. Yes, there is struggle, but this isn't going to ruin me because I am in Christ Jesus. Man, how big of a deal that is. I mean, that changes. That's a game changer. That's a, that's a spiritual truth that if we applied, if we applied, there's no condemnation in the struggle. It'll, it'll change our thought life. It'll change the way we approach life. It'll change everything about us. That's a powerful, powerful thing. And the Holy Spirit is always at work getting God's children to understand there's no condemnation. Boy, it must be a full-time work. Verse 2, what do we know about? What is it saying to us? It says, and because you belong to him, the result of our salvation, the result that we're a child of God. Listen to this. The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The power. The power of Almighty God. The power of the Creator. The power of the One that rose Christ from the grave. That's great power. The power of creation, the power of life-giving, the, the power of raising Christ from the dead. Because we belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed us from the power that sin has over us. Sin has a stronghold on us without Christ. With belief in Christ, we are born again. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. That stronghold that sin has over us is broken. We don't have to live like that anymore. We don't have to live just absolutely in chains, in bondage to the sin. Now, verse 2 tells us, Something's pretty interesting. It says to us, it says, because of Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the struggle begins. There was no struggle before, before we accepted Christ. There was no struggle. We were, we were bound to the sin. There was probably not even a desire to live differently. There wasn't a desire to please God. There wasn't a desire to glorify Him. There wasn't a desire uh, to, to be patient with people. There may have been some desires to tolerate different situations and to get along with different people from different reasons so that we can make money or get what we want. But there was no real pure motives. But in Christ, now the Holy Spirit comes into us and all of a sudden that hold, that stronghold that sin had over us has been broken. And now the struggle begins. Man, rejoice in the struggle because struggle is an indication that you're one of God's children. Whoa, it's something to rejoice over. How's it going today? I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? I'm struggling today. What are you struggling with? Man, I'm struggling not knocking that guy over there in the nose. I'm struggling with, with not lying. I'm struggling with, with uh, uh, not cheating, stealing, you know? I'm, I'm struggling are you rejoicing that you're struggling with not knocking that guy in the nose? Yeah, but 
I'm struggling. There was a time when there was no struggle. There was an old time where I didn't give a rip about this or that and the other. And now all of a sudden with the Holy Spirit in me, the power of sin has been broken in me. And now I give a rip. The struggle is real and it's happening. And so we rejoice over that struggle. What do we know that verse 3 says? It says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Man, we just can't keep the law. No one can keep the law. And the one that thinks he can keep the law is the biggest breaker of the law because he's so eat up with himself and he's so eat up with pride and arrogance that he's just he's lost before he even gets started. Think about that for a moment. Our sinful nature is keeping us from being able to keep the law. There's ten commandments. Love God with all your heart, right? No other gods before Him. No graving images. Keep the Sabbath day holy. You know, don't, don't bear false witness. Don't murder. Don't, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. And, and before you know it, if you take those ten things and really look at those ten things, not one single one of us is innocent of all ten commandments. We are guilty. We have all broken at least one. And probably the person that says, I've broken one of those commandments is very dishonest or lacks great self-awareness. We've broken them commandments. Matter of fact, if you look at what Jesus has to say about, you know, lust and anger and those kind of things that is back to your heart, it's back to even thinking about those deals, man, we're probably guilty of every single one of those commandments. When I look at my own life, I'm guilty of breaking every single commandment. Well, Lee, have you murdered someone? What have you done? I mean, no, I've never physically murdered anybody, but I've thought about it. I've been angry. I've been so angry in my life that, and, and, and most of it, thank the Lord, was before Christ. I've been so angry at people in my life that, that I thought about how to do it and get rid of them. Now, you ever thought that? Oh, I can't raise my hand with my mom or dad in the place. And yeah, I'm telling you right now, there's not one of those commandments that I hadn't broken according to the words of Jesus and the words of God to us. Now, the good news is why I can celebrate and why I have joy is because verse 3 tells us. Look and see what verse 3 says. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. I'm a weak man. I was not able to keep all those Ten Commandments. The weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent His own Son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control. End to sin's control over us by the giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Man, when you realize that you weren't able to keep the law and that you're absolutely, desperately, hopelessly lost. You can't do it. 
And when you realize that God recognized that you couldn't do it, and because you couldn't do it, sent his son in the world to be a sacrifice to take our place in the requirement to keep the law, that sure makes you fall in love with God. That sure makes you fall in love with what Jesus did for us on the cross. To fall in love with Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you so much. You took my place. And when I stand before the judgment of God, I don't stand there with my own works. I don't stand there as an innocent man that hasn't broken the law. I stand as a man who's broken the law, but Jesus took my punishment. He took on himself the sin that I have committed. And I can rejoice to high heaven. And, and man, I'm sure thankful to Jesus. I mean, I, we're thankful when people do nice things for us, right? We're thankful when people uh, unconditionally love us and they show some kind of spectacular kindness to us. Consider the spectacular kindness that Jesus has shown to us. But I, you got to love you some Jesus. Man, look what he's done for us. We were in a hopeless situation, unable to keep the law. Jesus took our place. That's why we ought to love Jesus, because what he's done for us. That's why we love him. He says in verse 4, He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. And so the judge says the, the, the just requirement of the law is satisfied for that guy right there, Lee Brewer, because he's covered with the blood of Jesus. Did Lee do it? No. Jesus did it for him. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Oh yeah, that's why we follow the Spirit, not the law. That's why... All of us, myself included, I have a better chance of being a better person when I'm following the Spirit rather than following the law. Because when I sit around and think about it, think about it, I got to do better. 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 I can't covet anymore. I can't covet anymore. Today, I'm not going to covet. And I spend all my time working not to covenant. Probably by noon, I've coveted. Right? But when I follow the Spirit, loving God, doing what God wants, enjoying God, just, just understanding the spiritual works of God around me, love, joy, peace, and when I'm focusing on the good things, when I'm focusing on the things that only God can provide, I don't focus on not coveting. I focus on loving God and loving others. I might make three o'clock in the afternoon without coveting. It's a better deal. It's just like you put the chocolate cake on the table and don't eat that chocolate cake. It's there all day long. You walk by that chocolate cake. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. You, Seven o'clock comes around in the evening. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Do it. And eight thirty comes around. I don't know about your struggle. But my struggle is this way. I've been good all day. I can get by with eating that chocolate cake. And all I've done all day is fight not eating that chocolate cake. If I would have just just walked in the spirit i might have had a better chance to get beyond that chocolate cake because my mind is consumed with not eating the chocolate cake when it should be consumed with the things of the lord and that might walk me through 
Now, verse 5. That was just review. Let's look at verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Remember, what do we know for sure? Just very simply look at that verse. What do we know for sure? This is one thing we absolutely know for sure that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, by the way, the idea of being controlled, that's what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. When it says in the book of Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what it's saying, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So those who are full of the Holy Spirit, those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So a very simple approach is, you can tell whether or not you have the Spirit of God or not based on what you obsess over, based on what you dwell on, based on what you think about the most. So what are you thinking about the most? Things of the Lord or things of, 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 this, of the flesh? Things of the kingdom or things of the world? What do you think about the most? What controls your mind? What controls your thoughts? And, and don't you agree with me that probably your number one issue in life is what you think about? Right? What you worry about. What you think about. What you obsess over versus, you know, what you should be obsessing over. The, the, is it toxic? Is it wholesome? Is it beneficial? Is it detrimental to your well-being? What do you think about? So here's what we know for sure. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So we need to spend some time thinking about what we think about. Thinking about what we think about. That's kind of crazy thought, isn't it? What are you doing? I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to determine whether or not I'm being led by the Spirit or I'm being led by my sinful nature. I'm trying to discover not whether or not I have the Holy Spirit in me. And because I recognize that God's Word says to me in Romans 8, 5, that what I think about determines if I have the Holy Spirit in me. So verse 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's an interesting term, letting. Letting. So letting your sinful nature, so letting your sinful nature control your mind. Letting. So there's a, there's a spiritual discipline here. Letting is yielding. Letting is being submissive. Letting is being willing to let God have your life. Letting is getting out of the way. Getting out of the way. Getting out of the way of what God wants to do. Letting is do not let your heart be controlled. Trust in God, trust also in me, Jesus said in John 14, 1. When your heart is troubled, don't let your heart be troubled. Reach out there and grab it and pull it back in. So, when you let your sinful nature control your mind, it leads to spiritual death. 
but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So are you letting the Holy Spirit have your life? Ephesians tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we put water on the fire. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, what do we do? We, we're literally making the Holy Spirit uh, mourn by our actions. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Actions that we take. Why does the Holy Spirit get grieved? Because of our obstinance, because of our rebellion, because of our dwelling on the sinful nature. Why? He loves us and He knows that when we dwell on the worldly things around us and they captivate us and they hold us and they capture our thoughts, we aren't able to experience peace and joy. That's what He says here. When we let the Spirit control our mind, it leads to life and peace. What does God want for us? Life and peace. What are we experiencing? We're experiencing uh, uh, destruction and death and, and turmoil, and, uh, but not life and peace. Death and war, death and struggle, death and, and, and anguish, but not life and peace. So just focusing on what we know, there's something we can do. We can let the Holy Spirit control our minds. Take some effort on your part. You've got to work at it. You've got to position your mind. It's going to require you to read the Scripture every day. It's going to require you to obey. It's going to require you to pray. It's going to require you to focus. It's going to require you to not let yourself drift away. And when you start thinking about things that aren't pleasing to the Lord and aren't signs that you're being led by the Spirit, that you're letting the Spirit rule in you, you reach out there and you grab that and you put it where it belongs, behind you. And you celebrate the struggle, but when you begin to struggle in the wrong direction, you change. And every single day you, you wage that battle Walking by the Spirit versus walking by the flesh. But the Scripture here tells us that we can do it. I mean, when you see what the Lord is saying to here, you're saying, we can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do this. Verse 7 says, we got a real good indicator here. This is what the Lord says. This is what we know for sure. Verse 7, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. You don't have to, it's a simple process. You don't have to worry whether or not you know whether or not you're walking in the flesh or the spirit. Because when you're walking in the flesh, your thoughts, your actions, your attitudes is hostile to God. Hostile. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? The flesh is always hostile to God. The flesh is always promoting self. That's hostile to God. The, 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 the flesh is always trying to get uh, uh, glorification. That's hostile to God. The, the, the lust of the flesh and the desire of the flesh and the desire for world of things is to promote self, not God. It promotes selfishness, not selflessness. That's hostile to God. It never, so for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. It's not going to change. We, we kind of have 
a spiritual new age thing going on in today's world that says that when you rewrite your own journey, your own destiny, and you think of things, whatever spiritual positions you find yourself in, they're okay and God is okay with that. That's absolutely hogwash. That's not true. It's not true. You mean to tell me that if, if you say that you don't have any prejudice against any kind of people in these groups, that everything in your life is totally acceptable to God? Yes, because we're better than those people. Oh my gosh. You hear that every single day on the news today. That's the mindset. That's the idea. That's not true. The flesh is always hostile, hostile with God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. So that's what the Word of God says to us. Not only is it hostile to God, not only is it displaying God's laws, it always has and it always will be hostile to God. So the battle is always the battle between the spirit and the flesh. Always. It may look different from the outside, but the heart is always the same. You see, the law can't change the heart of man. You can educate man. You can clean man up. You can put new clothes on man. You can give him the right shampoo and the right soap and the right deodorant, but he's still the same on the inside. You can give him all the laws. You can give him all the new cultural things that they have got to, uh, you know, settle to. That they've got to adjust to. That, that they've got to, uh, you know, be accepting of. And if they will be accepting of these new cultural laws, then, then they're going to be okay. No, they're not. They are not going to be okay. They, it doesn't matter what they're wearing. It doesn't matter what they're saying. It doesn't matter what, what kind of, of laws on the outside they're believing in. They are still hostile to God. That's the way it is. Verse 8 says, this is what we know for sure. Think about this verse. Think about how this verse can change your life. That's why those who are still under law, still under control of their sinful nature, can never please God. Oh my. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Oh man, what a, what a pressure today on the church, on religious people to come to the place where we say who God is pleased with and who God is not pleased with. Like, we have a say in that. Now, God is not pleased with rejecting God. God is not pleased with disbelief. God is not pleased with Someone that believes that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, the Son of God, the only way of salvation. That is set in stone for us. That's the way it is. That's the truth. We've read today. 
You can't keep the law. Your sinful nature cannot keep the law. You are breaking the law. We cannot say to this world out there, just come as you are and stay that way and, and we'll figure out a way for you to be okay with pleasing God. Like we can say what pleases God and what doesn't, that we've got that kind of uh, ability to orchestrate what God is pleased with and what God is not pleased with. We don't have it, folks. Only, only faith in Christ, in God's plan in what God has laid down for us, what we read in the Scriptures, only that pleases God. The only way to please God is through faith. It's through being born again. It's through trusting in the blood of Christ. And so we do not have the right to say to someone, you think that, that having sex with same sex is okay? God is pleased with that. No, He's not. We can't say that you believe that salvation is based on being a better person than other people and you don't have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Holy One, the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and if, you just, if you just have a, a, a broad concept of who God is, that God will be pleased with you. No, He won't. He's not pleased with any of us that do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, as the Scripture says. Now, the world says today, tolerance, acceptance, look the part, sound the part, be inclusive, tolerate people, allow all kinds of beliefs and all kinds of actions, and, and God will be pleased when we treat other people the way that we think they should be treated. But when we're people of the book and we're people of faith and we're following what God says, we can't stand for that. We can't allow the delusion to think that someone can die without faith in Christ and everything is going to be okay. We can't go down that line that says that, that people can live any way they want to. And everything is good between them and God. No, the only way to please God is when their spirit is not under the control of their sinful nature. And the only way for that to happen is they've got to be born again. They've got to be regenerated. They've got to come alive spiritually. And the only way to come alive spiritually is to come to a place in your life where you repent of your sin, you confess that Jesus is Lord, and you bow down to Him, and you become a new creature by the Holy Spirit. For by grace we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God and not of works, lest any should boast. You see, we can't be easy with that. It comes down to love. Now the world out there says that because we have that mindset and that position, we don't love. For my Bible reading and my understanding, for us not to point out that, that, that there is no faith, there is no being right with God apart from Jesus Christ, is the worst, most fraud, 
cynical, uh, uh, you know, just bait and switch there is in the world. It's corrupt. It's trickery. It's wrong. And if we really, truly love other people, we share with them what we know for sure. The only way to please God is when we're pleasing God through our spiritual nature, not our earthly nature. So, Romans 8, verses 1 through 8. Let's look at it just very briefly. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We know what that means now, don't we? So God did what the law could not do. He sent His Son. He sent His own Son into body like the bodies we sinners have. I often wonder if Jesus had corns. I wonder if Jesus had a problem with one of his knees. He had a, pro he had a body like we had. That's what it says. I just wonder about those things. Do you reckon that ragweed was a hard deal for him? I wonder what Mountain Cedar did to him. No, no. He said he had a body like we had, but he didn't sin. That's really quite spectacular, isn't it? And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature and said, follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's the word of the Lord. Hear it, believe it, act on it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word to us. Help us, Lord, to be obedient today. Help us to hear your spirit clearly revealing to us truth so that we can live on it, celebrate you, and Lord, so that we can experience that life and peace that you have provided for us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.